Thank you so much for tuning in to Northridge Church Podcast. We're so glad to have you a part of our weekly service. For more information, please visit us online at northridgethomaston.com. Now prepare your hearts as we dive into God's Word. Y'all look good today. Y'all give the band a big hand and all these worship leaders up here. Didn't they do an amazing job? Thank you guys so much. It goes into each week. Say a big thank you to Josh there who runs the sound. Hopefully you never know he exists. So y'all give Josh a big hand and everything he does. Thank you, Chad. And I just want to praise God for a few things. Uh, I think we have a picture of the building uh, somewhere. I just It may not look like a whole lot, but man, it is coming up. Yeah, yeah, bring the lights down so everybody can see it. We have, and, and by the way, over here to the right, I've had 17 people ask me, Mark, why is the metal on the bottom half different than the top part? Well, that's just the way we roll. No, I'm kidding. It's going to be stacked stone. So uh, anyway, that's going to be our worship center. If you get up there tonight, we will be having services tonight. You can go up there and look at it. But if you do walk in, please be careful. There's a lot of pipes sticking up, and we don't want to break that or have anyone hurt or anything. But, uh, man, God is doing a great thing. Y'all give Jesus praise again. Amen. I want to say thank you to so, so many folks, man, so many to, to number. But I just say thank you to our, to our builder, Tommy Bird. Thank you to uh, Double P. Oh, there you are. Uh, to Brandon and Michael Pierce and their wonderful family with Double P Grading. They are amazing, amazing men and their staff and, and the guys that are out there working have really keep us in compliance and a lot of things that goes in to that. I, I love you guys. I think I've said everything you wanted me to say, Brandon. Did we check it all off? Okay, he's also amazing husband, father. Okay, great. No, he is. I appreciate so much, man, everything that's going into to uh, up there on the mountain. And uh, again, join us tonight. We're going to be, uh, this is a good, good place for me to insert this commercial for tonight's service. If you've not been on a Sunday night service, God is doing something really sweet. It's a great time for us to come together. going to be great worship. But God has given me a message for tonight. Uh, I really wish I could preach it this morning, but God didn't give me liberty to do that. So this tonight is going to be how to, uh, you know, we don't want to tell people, don't listen to this, don't do that, don't go here, don't go there. That's too much. I'm not the, the faith police. So I'll let you guys sort that out in your life. We just preach the word and let the Holy Spirit sort it out. Amen? But here's what we do know to be true. Sometimes we need to know how to filter the decisions that we do make, friendships, entertainment, things we do, things we don't do. So tonight, I'm going to give you the tool necessary, the filter, if you will, on how to filter decisions you're making in your life, decisions that will edify God. You do not want to miss tonight. So great to see you guys here today. Y'all give yourselves a hand for coming. It's a little damper outside, but I hope you feel the sun in the house. Um, I, there was a st- I love being a pastor. I do. I, it was so funny this morning. Uh, Tyler and Maggie's house, uh, they had a, a problem with their septic line, so they have come back to our house. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Y'all pray for us. And, um, but it's really cool because they brought the grandkids with us. Amen, grandparents? So this morning, Tyler was really sick, and he, he wasn't able to make it. Y'all pray for him. Y'all pray for Ray Ayler. Y'all pray for many, many others that are sick. But Tyler couldn't make it today, and that is not like him at all. He never misses uh, anything and uh, so Beckham came up to me and he said, he said, gee, I think I'm going to stay home with my daddy. He said, he needs me. And I said, that, I get it. I understand. He looks at me. He said, gee, you going to church today? <laughs> I said, yeah, I think I got to go because I'm preaching. So anyway, I'm here, but y'all pray for all of those that are out there. In fact, I love so much being a pastor. I read a story one time of a pastor that was in a new neighborhood and he's walking the streets, kind of just, just taking in all the glory of God. And he, he noticed this little, little boy over at, at the neighbor's house across the street. And it wasn't, he knew that it wasn't his house. And he's a little bitty kid and he's trying his best to reach up and grab the doorbell. 
and he sees the little boy bring over a little box, and he went to step on the box to reach the doorbell, and the box crushed, and he's just kind of watched him, gets tickled in himself, so he says, I'm going to go over there and help him, so he goes over there, and he walks over this, you know, pastor, and just kind of ministering to the least of these, you know, in this moment of desperation, this little boy, small boy, and he walks up, and he hits the doorbell, and he, he gets down on his knees, he said, anything else I can do for you, little man? He said, yeah, run. So, you know, I've played ding-dong ditch in my life, and, and I just praise God for the opportunity to pastor and to be able to, in spite of me, be able to live out a legacy. You say, Mark, you think you're living out a legacy? I do. I think I'm leaving a legacy in what I'm doing right now. And I'll tell you why. Because of God. It has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with you. In fact, we come out of the, the focus of Resurrection Sunday. And, and I want us to be real careful because... The reality is if we don't, if we're not intentional, we will see the resurrection in our rearview mirror from last Sunday. And the further we go away from that day, the smaller the resurrection, the cross, the redemptive process of Jesus, him crucified, resurrected, and seated at the right hand of the Father becomes smaller, smaller, and smaller. And then as we get closer to next year, guess what? We begin to see it in view again. Can I tell you something? And we sung about it a minute ago. We got to be careful to know that everything we do flows out of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The power in you flows out of the resurrection of Christ. There's no church without the resurrection. No need to worship. No need to, to celebrate. No need to dance. No need to hold your hands up. No need to give. No reason to build a house of worship. Aside from the resurrection, you and I have no hope. But in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have a blessed hope, an eternal hope. Our fate, I love this. I'm a child of the king. Anybody else redeemed by the blood of Jesus? Just want to celebrate a minute. I'm redeemed by the blood of Jesus, and that has secured my eternal fate. In this life, I will have trouble. But watch what? Watch what happens. Jesus says, but I have overcome the world. And if I am in the resurrection power, Holy Spirit living in me, then I too have overcome this world. I want to, if I may, unfold something that God gave me when I was in Bible college. It was a sermon that I heard, and I do not remember the gentleman's name. I wish I could because I want to give him credit. But this sermon pierced my heart uh, 13, 14, 15 years ago when I was in Bible college at Luther Rice University. And I, and I remember the message. I couldn't find it. I went back in my notes. I couldn't find it anywhere. I couldn't find it in my Bible. couldn't find it anywhere. But I remember the impact that it made on me because it was coming out of Easter. And he was talking about leaving a legacy. And I don't remember his points. I don't remember all the details. And that's neither here nor there. I just remember the impression that it made on me. So today's message comes out of that impression that that pastor made on my life. And maybe God will bring to mind who he was. And I'll certainly give him the credit. But this is not even the title of his message. I don't recall the title. But I want to bring a message to you today entitled, Unlikely Legacy. Unlikely Legacy. Because here's what I know to be true today. And you know it as well. That you are who you are today by the grace of God, through the glory of God, because of the sufficiency of Jesus Christ and the finished work on the cross. If you're with me, say amen. You, you have nothing in the story that God is writing. You plus God doesn't equal anything more than God all by himself. God is sufficient. His name in the Old Testament mentioned some 204 times speaks of his sufficiency in the context of I am. I am self-existing. Nothing started me. Nothing ends me. I'm all points in between. Alpha, omega, beginning, end. He's everything. And listen, he didn't create me and you to be a part of his legacy. We get to be a part of his legacy. 
And, and, and I don't know about you today, but sometimes I feel like an unlikely candidate for being a part of God's great story. Anybody else feel like an unlikely candidate? The reality is, is that's when God can use you. I want to read a, a passage of Scripture. If you have your Bibles, turn with me today to John chapter 15. We're going to read two verses today. This is the text that I will hang this sermon on. But then we're going to look at a couple of portraits of unlikely candidates who left, in my opinion, a profound legacy, having been left in the inspired Word of God. John chapter 15, John's Gospel 15. He says, you did not choose me. How many times have you heard, erroneously, people say, oh, I found Jesus in 1974 at a rock concert. I found Jesus so-and-so at an Easter play. And I found, I don't know who found Jesus at a rock concert, but that just kind of came out. But I found, Jesus has never been lost. He's never been detached. He's never been aimlessly wandering around the universe. He's always, always, always right where he's supposed to be. You were lost. I was lost, aimlessly going through the ebb and flow of life. And he found me. And he says, I chose you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And watch this. Appointed. Everybody say appointed. Appointed you that you should go. Everybody say go. And bear fruit. That, and that your fruit. I love this. Unlikely. That your fruit should remain. I want you to think about that for just a minute. The king of the universe, the creator of all things, of heaven and earth and the glory thereof, he's saying, I have created you to bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That's a legacy. In fact, I want to kind of give you a definition. I've looked this up. The difference between a legend and a legacy really comes down to one word. Let me read it to you. I think we had that to throw in. Legacy or legend is a story about a very famous person or act or situation, watch this, that is admired by other people. Just something that's admired and spoken about. But watch what happens in a legacy. It is a situation or thing that exists now. I don't want to be admired while I'm here. I could care less about admiration. I want the world to be a little better, to be a little bit more, you know, about God because I lived, existed, and sowed seeds that fruit in my life may abound even after I've left this earth. Can I get a witness? Anybody else with me on that? The reality is when we realize that we didn't choose him, but he chose us and he appointed us. He placed us in this position that we're in. Not just pastors. Not just singers and worshipers. And I'm going to show you that here in just a moment. I want to give you two portraits, two pictures of two men that I find to be incredibly insightful into this context of leaving an unlikely legacy. Let me pray with you before I do. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you that you appointed me. Thank you that you chose me. Thank you that you pursued me. Thank you that even when I was a sinner running from you, you died for me and chose me to bear fruit. God, may my fruit remain, and may you get the glory for it. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people shouted, amen. All right, that's not shouting, but we'll roll with it. Luke 15 tells us a story. You've heard the story. Don't turn there. Luke 15 tells us three stories within one parable of a lost coin, a lost sheep, and a lost son. We call him the prodigal son. A, son, a father who had two sons. We'll kind of concentrate on that. A father who had two sons. Apparently, the father had some great wealth. 
And in this story, one of the sons does something completely illogical, unorthodox, according to both that time and culture as well as today. He went to his father and he said, I want you to give me all that's mine. Would you look at your son at that point and go, ain't nothing yours, brother. It's all mine. But it says, I want you to give me all of my wealth at your expense, all of your glory at my lack of glory. And I want to, I'm going to Las Vegas. I believe that's what he said. I'm going and expend. I'm going to live. I'm going to party. And the father, illogical if I may interject, gave him that and there he went for years. We don't know how long. It doesn't tell us exactly. But he went, and as he went, he began to live, some translations say, riotous living. Prodigal means uh, unhealthy, unattractive, sinful. And as he was living this life, at some point in time, he expelled all of his earthly value. The money was run out. And then it says that he found himself working a side job, feeding hogs for some other owner which would have been in that culture the least of the least of the least of the servants. And as he was feeding the hogs, the Bible says he became hungry, but wasn't even allowed to eat what the pigs were eating. And then he came into himself. How many of you know sometimes you got to get the the end of you before you can ever come back to who you really are in Christ? And as he came to himself, he made this statement. He concocted a plan to go back to the father's house. And he said this, I know I'm not worthy to be a son. I've lost that opportunity. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back to the father's house and see if I can be a servant in my father's house. Because the servants, as I recall, have it better than I do now out here in the world. And as he turned back, a picture of repentance turning away from the world back to the father's house. The Bible unfolds, and you know the story. He says the father was waiting on him. And when the father saw him coming from afar off, indicating he was looking for him, he was anticipating him, he was waiting for him. He was standing in wait for the son, for the prodigal to come home. And I love the fact that he didn't sit there and start going like you and I would do. I knew he'd come back. Wait till I get my hands on him. You know what he did? He ran to him. And he met him. And as he's running, he's going, get the robe, get the, get the ring, get the shoes. And come on and y'all follow me. I'm going to this. The son has returned. And he goes out and he hugs him. You know what the boy says? The boy says, oh, daddy, wait a minute. Check it out. I know I'm not willing. I'm not worthy. I'm not able to be your son anymore. So here's what I want to do. I want to be your servant. The father don't even respond. You know why? Because he was not a son because he was worthy. He was a son by birth father didn't even respond and he looked at him and he said i love this don't miss this give me the robe he's he's a filthy mess he's dirty he is in the nakedness of this world get my robe a picture of my cleanliness of my righteousness wrap him up in that so that when he walks in the house they will see he has my robe on take my shoes take some sandals and put it on his feet because servants were barefoot in that culture and he is not a servant he is my son put shoes on his feet The most beautiful part of the story, he takes the ring that would have had the signet of the father's authority that would have used to to seal deeds and contracts. He says, put a ring on his finger indicating sonship and my authority. My son's coming home. 
Hey, DJ, kick that beat. I mean, can you imagine at this point, he goes and he throws a party and he gets the fatted calf, indicating there wasn't three, there wasn't ten, there was but one that was being prepared. Can I tell you, maybe all along the father knew he was coming back. But the Bible says, and here's where we get interesting in this story. The Bible says that the other son, everybody say the other son, was working on the field. He was doing what he was supposed to do. He was, if you want to put the vernacular of what Jesus used in the New Testament, he was up and about the father's business, overseeing the father's affairs diligently, respectfully. He never left. And the Bible says that he heard, listen, the dancing and the music. That's some loud dancing when you're out in the field and you hear the dancing. Okay? So he gets upset And he's the only logical one in this story, in my opinion, if you want to be real about this. He goes back and he goes, wait just a doggone minute, Daddy. Have I not been here the whole time? And this jack wagon over here has gone out here and went crazy. And you throw in a party and he's over there going. I mean, this son... My wife is going, Lord God, don't ever let him do that again. Don't you stop me. I'll break it down in 1980. Listen, I'll break out the zipper pants. Don't you start. But watch this. What was the brother mad at? He was mad because the one who had ran is dancing. There's a party thrown for the one who had expelled it all, who had embarrassed the father, who had, listen, he had been in the world. It's a picture of backsliding. He had fallen away. And isn't it logical? Wait a minute. Why is he, why does, wait a minute. The, the, the brother might as well have walked over and said, you just sit down over there for just, you just take a load off and you're not dancing right. You think about what you did. You better get over there and repent. I don't see any fruits of repentance. You ever heard that said in church? Somebody comes back in the church that's been running from God for years, and they've been out there in the world. They smell like the world. They're dirty, and we bring them in, and they worship God. And somebody's sitting on the back row going, well, I think they need to just take a little time and repent. I think they might just need to take a little time and think about what they did. Because you know what? There's no way that's real. Because just yesterday, they were down there. You know what? They were down there dancing it up and kicking it up for the world, and they're going to come back in here on Sunday and act like they got it all together. And the prodigal's over there going. And, and, and we look at that. How dare he dance? Now hold on just a minute. Y'all are more concerned about that crazy, ugly dance than y'all are what Jesus is saying. Y'all need to get saved. The greatest hindrances, hear me, the greatest hindrances to people out there and maybe someone in here today, the greatest hindrance to you coming back to God is you don't realize how good and how great our God is in your shame. You don't realize... The the daddy is standing here as we're worshiping because guess what? Let's just be honest. Can we be honest? Hold your hand up if we can just be honest. Hold your hand up if we can be honest. You don't want me to be a lying preacher. You want me to be honest. 
None of us got it together. We all failed. Amen, baby? The reality, though, is it might have taken every single thing that that boy had to come home. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what it takes for some people in this room to walk back through those doors knowing that you know where they've been? Maybe we walk up and go, wait a minute. Come here, Pastor Keith. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on just a minute. Hold on just a minute. Come here, let me talk to you for a minute. Huh? I don't really know that, I don't really know she ought to be singing. Now, this is not happening. This is absolutely just an arbitrary point that I want you to grab onto. I, I really don't think that she should be standing up here. And how great is our God. Or love me from the inside out. Or your grace is enough. Don't you think, Pastor Keith, that she needs to sit down on the front row and kind of take a little bit of time to restore her to the choir? You know what I'd rather see the other brother do? I would rather have seen the other brother hear the music and go, hey, what's going on? Hey, hey, servant, because he had servants. Hey, y'all watch the sheep for a minute. I'll be right back on one of the daddy's house. And walk in. What's up? I heard some. Oh, Bubba's back. My brother's back. Why was he not excited about his brother being back? And maybe then he could just walk out on the dance floor. And just dance a little bit himself. Because I'm going to tell you something. Dancing in Scripture is not about moving your feet. It's about lining your body up with the rhythm of your heart. King David, a man after God's own heart, danced before the Lord. And I submit to you that if I brought a bunch of dancers up here today and danced, some of you go, well, I just bless God. I tell you, I won't come back. That's fine. Because here's what I know to be true. When you get what's in here and in here, here, you will, you will lose it for Jesus. And you don't care who's watching. When they walk back in the door, I don't care. I've said it a thousand times, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart. This might not be your forte. This might not be your thing. You might be praying about what church you're supposed to join. Let me, let me help you. If you are not on board with the prodigals coming home and walking back in and getting on the dance floor and getting plugged back in the choir, if you're not about that, you're in the wrong house. Because I am not going to look down my nose at somebody and say, you better go over and think about it. Because the truth is, I wasn't the best husband about two days ago because I was having some tough times. And I said something to my wife. And I, said, I didn't say nothing ugly. I wasn't cussing or nothing. I'm just saying I just wasn't the perfect husband I usually am. But today I'm up here preaching. Not because I'm great. But because the Father still loves the Son. You know what I think we need to do? I think we need to get to a place. Church member. Child of God. Mom, dad, wife, brother, sister. We just get on the dance floor. 
and just let your feet and your hands and your face and your outer posture love me from the inside out. Let what's going on in here. How many of you are excited about being a child of God? Lift your hand up. How many of you are excited? Give him praise. If you can't dance, give him praise. The Father's love offers you an unlikely legacy. The second portrait real quick. I'll tell you what, band, come on, because I, I, I don't want to slow down here. I'm going to push on through. I'm going to talk fast. You've got to listen fast. God's moving. Peter was known as impetuous Peter. Peter was a man that uh, I believe to be one of the most unlikely candidates to be a preacher that's ever lived, notwithstanding present company. I believe with all of my heart that Peter was a man that should not have been able to preach after the resurrection at all. He should have had his preacher wings clipped and sent home. But I, I see the unfolding of his story in Matthew 14. Don't turn there. Where the disciples first saw Jesus. They had fed the 5,000. 5, they, they had seen him heal. They had seen him do all these things. And then watch this. He, he tells them. He says, I'm going up to the Father and pray. He sends them out into the Sea of Galilee. They get out to the middle. You know the story. And, and, and so forth. And, and all these things are happening. And then they look on the shore and they go, oh, there's a ghost. There's a spirit. They didn't even recognize Jesus, the guy they've been walking with for all these years. And then, and then it, you know, can I just add a little subtitle to that? You know what? You won't see Jesus in your storm if you're not looking for him. Peter sees Jesus walking on the water. Peter said, hey, hey, if that, that's Jesus. God. Jesus, if, if that's you, bid me to come out there and walk with you. That's pretty illogical in itself. A human being can't walk on the water. I mean, it probably didn't shock him too much that he was. But he's pretty, pretty kind of bold, don't you think? Hey, let me, you know, and he's, he, let me say, he's, he gets a bad rap in the preaching world, doesn't he? He gets out and he starts walking on the water. You know the story. And he took his eyes off of Jesus and he began to, you know. I, I mean, that's a preaching story. Oh, you have little faith. But hey, man, what about the faith it took? He, he comes out of the boat. What's up, Jesus? Whoa, what am I doing? And then he seeks, and then he begins to sink. Rather, it was just another sermon in itself. Jesus saved me, and Jesus pulls him out. But check it out. They get back in the boat. What do they do? You know what I'd have done? I'd have been like, Peter, you walked on the water. Yo, you're my dog. Peter, you walked. Kind of makes a prodigal son dancing on the dance floor look a little silly. A human being historically, literally, walked on the water. H2O. But they don't even even discuss that. But guess what? He also brought him back in the boat and he sat down and he's drenched. Oh, you have little faith, Jesus told him. He just crushed him. He just crushed him, Chad. Oh, you have little faith. Was he talking to them because they didn't get out of the boat? Was he talking to him because he sang? I, I'm not sure. Maybe all of them. And it, what it doesn't say is, object lesson. It doesn't say that he sat there and shivered in his wetness, which was an effect of him sinking out of little faith. He failed. He failed. He took his eyes off Jesus. Call it what you will. When you take your eyes off Jesus, you sink. Amen. He didn't sit over there and go, Can somebody get me a come somebody get me a shirt, man? I'm freezing. 
go to the go to the to the Holy Land, you'll know that it's always cold in the Sea of Galilee. He would have been freezing cold, about fifty degrees water. What does it say they did? They got back in the boat and they worshipped him. They worshipped him. They worshipped him. Peter worshipped him. He he got up wet, soaking wet, freezing. Have you ever have you ever come to church and you had to worship him wet? Has anybody ever come to church and you just didn't feel like you were just this spiritual butterfly? You were kind of wet in the sin of yesterday and the shame of last week and the hurt of yesteryear. Have you ever come to church and you were just soaked into the world's sinking quagmire of who you used to be and everything the enemy's lied to you and you sit there and you're not just soaked but you're sulking? I've preached wet I've preached wet feeling like a failure here but the Holy Spirit I, I somehow muster up this energy Jeff, he'll tell you if, if ever we ever have any kind of situation I, I can't even leave the house and come to the church without looking at her and say I love you I'm sorry I'll let you, boy, I have to do that or I can't preach. I cannot preach. But I have, having done that, she says, I love you too. I forgive you. You're stupid. And then I come to church wet. And I get up here and you go, man, his life, his life's easy. I wish my wife. Let me tell you something. You need to learn how to worship wet. You need to learn how to worship undone. You need to learn how to come in the house and just dance wet. Because the Father loves you. He loves you so much. I I, want to really just kind of... Much is said about Peter and his failure. I'm almost done. But I go back to what I said. We don't want people dancing just hours after they came out of the sin. We don't want people worshiping wet, man. Go get out there and dry yourself off before you come into the house of God. This is a sacred place. No, what this is, is a hospital for the hurting. It's a place to come when you're broken, when you have no hope, when you have no answers. You come in here wet. You come in here stinky. You come in here with the with the garments of sin on you. And he will take and he will lift your head in Psalm 3. And he will put your gaze back into the place it needs to be. He will liberate you. And though you may not dance with your feet, your heart is dancing. Your heart is moving to the rhythm of grace and mercy and of love and he will restore you and he will not make you feel like shame is going to be your garment he will put on his robe of righteousness and you might be damp and undone and wet having sunk into the quagmire of your own failure and he puts you in the boat and the boat is floating along on the very thing that was about to kill you and then he just says hey just worship me Let me close with John 21. Same guy, Peter. We'll just stop there. Same guy, Peter. John 21 is the epilogue to John's gospel. The very guy who not only sunk and failed him, but he also was the guy who on the night when he should have been worshiping him at the cross, he was the very one saying, I know not the man. No, I haven't been hanging with Jesus. And he cursed him three times. 
Now Jesus has gotten up from the grave. Resurrection has happened in John 21. Read it sometime. The Bible says Peter has forgotten all that has happened. He knows that he got up and once he says, hey guys, I'm going fishing. I'm going fishing. I'm going back to fishing. You know what happened? The Bible says that some of those with him said, we're going with you. You know what? When you check out, people follow you. You think nobody's looking at you, but when you check out on God, people are watching you, and you will take people with you. Make no mistake about it. The decisions you make once you become a child of God are not just decisions that affect and impact your life. It affects many other people watching you. And watch what it says. I love this. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we're going with you also. They went out and immediately they got in the boat. They went back to doing what they used to do. Can I just say it that way? And they caught nothing because once you're in the hand of an almighty God and there's a plan for your life, you will run and you can hide and you can pursue the world with all you got, but it will make you sick. It will make you passionless. It will make you hopeless. It will keep you empty because there is nothing in the world that can satisfy the thirst and the hunger of a holy God. Once you have tasted and you have seen, there's nothing in the world that will satisfy like my God. There is nothing in the world that will be long-lasting. And you will go and you will catch nothing. But when the morning had now come, morning stands for new day, Jesus stood on the shore, watch this, and yet the disciples still did not know it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, and then one of them said, hey, Peter, <laughs> they want to go back to Peter. Peter, you remember that time? You remember? Peter, it's Jesus. This is what it says. It says he had his work clothes on, which meant he would have been without his clothes. He would have had his loins girt about. He would have been fishing. And the Bible says, watch what it says. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? And they answered. It says, cast a net on the right side. And then it goes on down. It says, therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved, which is another message in itself, John said to Peter, it's Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it. And he plunged. He plunged. (laughs) He plunged into the sea. I looked that up in the Greek. You know what that meant? That meant he did a, a, a Potato Creek dive. He dove in. He wasn't concerned about walking on the water anymore. He had already seen that. He just wanted to get to Jesus. He'd been there, done that. He had the T-shirt. It didn't satisfy. He saw Jesus this time. He's like... He dives in and he swims. Why did he put his jacket on? Because that's not customary for somebody going swimming in the creek. They take the sandals off. They take the jacket off and they swim. And then they put on dry clothes. You know what he was saying? I know how to worship you wet. I'm putting my clothes on because you're worthy. I'm not coming to you naked anymore. I'm putting on everything you've given me and I'm coming to you. And I'm coming to you just as I am. And I know that I failed you. I know that I denied you. And Jesus says, hey, the Bible says they caught 153 fish. Scholars have looked for years and have debated. Mathematicians have triangulated numbers. What was the 153? Some say it was because there was 153 species of fish in the ocean at that time. Others say it, it added up to some numbers triangulated out of Ten Commandments and the seven spirits of God and the three of resurrection and the five of grace and the one of creation. You know what? I think that if God had wanted you and I to know what it was, he would have spoken it. It ain't about the 153. It's about the fact that Jesus was on the shore after the resurrection and he made breakfast. Listen to what he told him. He said, hey, bring your fish. But then the Bible says Jesus had already cooked fish and bread. Can I tell you something? God wants you to be a fisher of men, but he don't need you. He's already got the fish. He just wants you to be a part of the story.
He'll let you join in, man, but he don't need you. And I love this, and I'm done. He looked at him. Everybody's eating a breakfast from Jesus. No big deal. Jesus said, John, you love me? Yeah, I love you, Lord. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. No, I love you. No, Peter. Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord. He screamed out, yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my sheep. I know why he asked him three times. I know why. Three times Peter said, I know not the man. That wasn't me with him. And he cursed him. And over here, after the resurrection, after the power of Jesus and the Holy Spirit about to fall on a depraved man, he steps out and he said, Peter, you're going to be my guy. You know how to walk on water and seek and get back up and worship. You know how to deny me, but now you see me. You see me face to face. And you're ready because you're undone. You're broken. You're an absolute lunatic, Peter. But guess what? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Three times as if he washed away the three times he denied him. He said, now you're ready. Now you're ready. Go and feed my sheep. Where are you today? I'll tell you where you are. You're either broken in a storm. You just come out of one or you're about to head into one. But either way, I want you to know God still loves his children. God's grace is sufficient. It doesn't matter what you did last week. It don't matter where you were at 4 o'clock this morning. It didn't matter what you were thinking about when you walked in this building. But I want you to know you and I are an unlikely candidate that just may be able to leave a legacy for the glory and the renown of an almighty God. Where are you today in that story? Don't be the brother that's wondering why somebody got redeemed again. Get on the dance floor and worship God. Don't be like the one, the man, woman, boy, or girl who's swinging for the fence spiritually and gets out of the boat of comfort and begins to do what's impossible and walking on the water and yet you sink and then you feel like an utter failure and you sit over wet and sulk in the failure of what you just tried to do. At least you stink and try. I'd rather fail God flat on my face running after his heart doing everything I can than I have sitting over here in the comforts and the safety of never doing a doggone thing for the glory of God. Get busy. Go. Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. Every head bowed and every eye closed. You might be sitting there today and you're saying, Mark, how can God use me in my shame? My question would be, why will your shame affect a holy God? You just need to let God just minister to you today. Some of you have been sitting on the sidelines so long because you feel unworthy. Can I tell you something? You're not worthy, but He is. Step up and get on the dance floor and worship. Get out of your wet seat the stench of yesteryear and of failure and step back in the boat and just worship God. I want to leave a legacy. And I hope you do today. The way to do that is to realize that the only way you have a chance in this world of ever impacting the world here and then later 
is that you just realize that God still loves his children. Take off the shame and put on his love. How many of you can say today, Mark, I may not be perfect. I failed. I failed every day. But I know, I know that I know that I know that I'm a child of the King. I'm redeemed. I have heaven for a home. I'm saved. Lift your hand up right now. If you know that you know that you know that you know that you're a child of the King, God bless you. Hands have not gone up. You can put your hands down. For those of you that are sitting there, maybe you're waiting for what the enemy's told you, that you got to straighten it out. you got to get it together. you got to fashion a plan. you got to turn away from the alcohol or the drinking or the womanizing or the pornography or whatever it may be. Can I tell you something? You're soaking wet and you have no reason to dance or to worship, but God is saying, I want you just like you are. Just come right now to me. And here's how you can do it. Praying in faith from your heart to God. Right here, right now. Pray with me. Father in heaven, I'm a sinner and I believe in Jesus. And I want to ask Jesus to come into my heart. Forgive me. Wash me clean. Today, I ask you to save me. I ask you to redeem me, to forgive me, and help me to live for you until the day you call me home. In Jesus' name, if you pray that prayer today in faith, I wonder, would you just be so bold? Just lift your hand right now. Say, Mark, I invited Jesus into my heart. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. Anyone else? How many of you can say, Mark, I'm saved, but I tell you what, I haven't felt like dancing in a long time. I haven't felt like worshiping in my life. But right now, I want you to pray for me, Mark. God has stirred my spirit today. I want to be that guy on the dance floor. I want to be that girl dancing and worshiping again. Maybe not moving your feet, but just letting your heart take over and the love that God has for it. If that's you today, lift your hand up. Man, woman, boy, or girl, say, that's me. I want to dance back in my spirit. I want to have what God wants for me. Here's what I want you to do. Everybody in the house. On-